being an educator, we're used to putting on a show, you know, that's just what we do. And, and but I also think that um, we're used to listening when people are talking. And so it would frustrate me each year when the presenters that they would choose were um, not super engaging or just not engaging enough to engage over the excitement of the day. And so I would joke with my friends on my team and say, I'm going to be the speaker one year, like, just watch out, I'm going to do it. And if I spoke, this is what I'm going to say. And um, so you know, I just one year, my friend said, well, now or never just do it. So I just emailed them and said, Hey, here's my story. I'd like to share it. And, um, so they let me be the speaker and I just took some of those, um, different techniques that we know being educators for engagement. And, you know, I don't really remember this part, but my, my teammates have told me that, um, no one was talking. Everyone was listening to me. So I I worked on the engagement. I got it. And that at the end, I got a standing ovation. I think I might've blacked out a little bit for that one. Um, just cause it is really exciting. And, um, you know, yes, I've talked in front of people before, but nothing like that. So I don't really remember that, but, um, you know, I just had a story to share and wanted to inspire people. And so as a result, they've kind of changed the format of what that looks like these past couple of years. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. And that is what thriving means to me. But what thriving means to each person is different. And that's what we explore on this show. My core values are growth and humor. So my goal is to learn a bit and enjoy ourselves while we're building community. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? Melissa Gordon is my very first guest. I met Melissa through a mutual friend and colleague who happened to know that we both had multiple sclerosis. I remember Melissa was trying out the whole 30 lifestyle. So I joined in. Um, We had that going on mutually in common as well. Not that it lasted. I've tried many more things since then. Um, But we really started bonding when we did the MS walk together here in Orlando and some other events as well. Melissa's positive outlook on life is contagious, as you will soon discover. And I know that's what's really gotten her through a lot of life's ups and downs, including her multiple sclerosis. Melissa and her husband, Scott, have always wanted to have children. Um, For a while now, there have been some things standing in their way. But today she's going to share with us how some small people have come into her life to bring her so much joy. She has inspired me to move forward with starting this podcast and some other adventures. And I think she's a really special person that you will enjoy hearing from. Without further ado, let's chat it up with Melissa Gordon. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for being on the show today. Yes, you're welcome. So excited to be here. 
Yeah. I mean, we've known each other for so long. It's just natural for you to be the first guest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and, and we have a lot in common. That's for sure, too. It's true. It's true. I mean, I have multiple sclerosis. So do you. There's so yeah. much more to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get right into it. Perfect. Um, Melissa, would you share with us the um, your diagnosis story? Yeah. So um, in 2010, I was super busy. I was training for my first marathon, even though I had run like lots of different smaller races. That was the first long race that I was planning on running. And I um, had just recently started working at a high school um, from working at an elementary school. And I was getting my second master's degree. And I was also coaching swimming and water polo. So I was busy to say the least. And And I just remember this one day we were playing a um, seniors versus staff football game. And I put on my cleats because I was super active and super excited to participate. And I just felt like there was this golf ball underneath my foot. And I was like, well, that's unique. That's never happened before, but, you know, not thinking really much of it. I just kind of like brushed it aside and moved on, but that numbness, it just continued. And, um, I just felt it all the time. And so as I started training for my marathon, um, I, I just, I couldn't even run like it hurt when I was running and it shouldn't have felt that way. So I went to the doctor for something different and just casually mentioned that my foot was numb. And, um, she said, you know, I don't, it could be nothing, but really we should probably just see. So let's send you to a neurologist. And so at the neurologist, they started sticking those needles in my legs and um, they went all the way down from my thigh on to the bottom of my foot. And when they got to the bottom of my foot, they told me to spread my toes. Well, who can spread their toes when you have a needle in the bottom of your foot? Like, no, um, but apparently everyone can except for me. So he said, we need to... Um, we need to do some more testing. And so, you know, that's when that usual game of um, lots of different appointments and blood work and, you know, finally an MRI to which then I was told, you know, you need a spinal tap, but we do believe that you have MS. So. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you first off, what year was this? So my official diagnosis was January of 2011. So it was 2010 is when this whole experience really started. Okay. And it's so interesting because your doctor is super diligent to say, you know, I think there's something else going on. Mine, um, when I presented my symptoms, which was um, needles in my hand, really, you know, falling asleep. um, She told me that I needed to put on a brace when I slept at night Mm -hmm. um, and then it would go away. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, not that it was a super prevalent, um, you know, symptom as much as yours was, but still um, kudos to your doctor for sure. So at that time, what I know you said you were doing the triathlon, you said something about um, students, seniors versus staff, were you working or were you a senior? Uh, no, so I, the great question. No, so actually, I just started working at the high school. So during their homecoming week, they have, um, you know, uh, those different events, including the flag football game. So it was the staff versus the seniors. And um, so I was one of the staff that was going to play on the team. So. Wow. Wow. Okay. So gee whiz. So since then, so much has happened in your life. Um, And I want to talk about a couple of um, pieces. And first off, how are you feeling right now? 
Uh, you know, exhaustion is definitely number one. I think that there are definite definite things um, that we'll talk about later that have contributed to that exhaustion. Um, but otherwise, overall, I feel pretty good. You know, other than my exhaustion, that's that's pretty much it. My symptoms are are pretty uh, mild right now. So wonderful! I love that news. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. Um, so let's first talk about um, the bike. I, I want to know um, what inspired you to start doing this bicycling thing. And I, you can talk about it much more than I can. <laughs> well, so, you know, when, when I was finally diagnosed in January of 2011, the next step was, okay, you need to go to the hospital for three days for steroids. And I hadn't really told anyone about this diagnosis because like, how do you, how do you bring that up? How do you tell people, you know, and I didn't really want to be judged differently. You know, I had aspirations in my life that I wanted to achieve and I didn't want people to like pity me. And so I hadn't really told anyone. So, um, I'm in the hospital at the end of January that year and it was president's day weekend. And so I had the long weekend and I was there for the three days. And, um, the only people who came to visit me was my now husband, but my boyfriend and my roommate because no one knew where I was because I didn't tell anyone. And so it's really lonely when all you're doing is getting steroids and sitting there, you know, and sitting there and sitting there. And I had a roommate. And so, you know, it's not like I'm talking to her, you know, she's, she, I wasn't really interested in what she had to say. Um, so I was really bored. And so I didn't know what to do. And so I just started texting my friends, like the closest friends and just said, Hey, I'm in the hospital. Just wanted you to know um, they just diagnosed me with MS. And so people started texting back and it was really positive response. Oh, what can we do? Sorry to hear that. You're a fighter. You're fine. You know? And so I'm like, all right, I can tell some more people. So then I told a couple of coworkers and one of the coworkers who um, I worked with at the time we were, it was the middle school, high school. So she was my teammate for sixth grade. And um, she said, Hey, did you know that they have a bike ride? And, and I had no clue. I didn't know. I mean, I really didn't know much about MS at the time. My aunt was diagnosed, but we didn't really talk about it. We're not very close as family members. And um, so I said, no, but that sounds like fun. You know, we're always up for an adventure. Um, never did anything like that before, but we decided that we were going to sign up. And I called my dad and told him he's signing up and my sister, she's signing <laughs> up. And so, um, you know, that year I just gathered a team of 12 and we said, let's just do it. And so we signed up for the bike ride with the purpose of me finding a good neurologist too, um, getting involved and finding a good neurologist. And so that was the, the key to that bike experience was just finding and connecting with people with MS and finding a good neurologist to take care of me because the general one that I had, it wasn't working. And so, um, the ride was in April. We had mountain bikes, we had fat tire sand bikes, and we just did it. We just, we didn't care. You know, it took us a lot longer than it does now. That's for sure. But we just did it. And, um, it was, it was a really good experience for us to do that. And that's why we continue these days because it's just so inspiring. That whole weekend is just filled with people who cheer for you because you're wearing your bike MS jersey and and they're like, go get it, girl. You know, I don't know who they are, but um, it feels good to, to have people just cheering you on and inspiring you. And it feels good for myself that each year I can ride a hundred miles on my bike when I didn't even have a road bike before I started this. So. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you seem to be an athlete though, um, with some background, you said that, um, you were training for a triathlon when all of this first started. Well, it was actually a marathon that I was training for. Oh. Um, but you know, we had like, we had our mountain bikes and there was this race that they used to have in Orlando that was called muddy buddies. And so it was like, you switched with your partner, a bike and a, and a, and a run, and you just keep switching back and forth, but it was not like the road bike experience or anything. And I was definitely a swimmer in college. So could I do a triathlon? Probably, but had I no. And the biggest stumbling block for me was that I'm not swimming in open water. So it has to be chlorinated. That's the only reason why I wouldn't do it. Um, So yeah, I mean, we were definitely athletic. We were definitely um, active people. And I think it just comes from the fact that I grew up as an athlete, you know, throughout college, I was an athlete. And so that lifestyle just kind of continued. I have so many more questions um, since this, since you sharing that. Um, So how long have you been doing the bike race? Is it a race? Is it a what? Tell us a little bit more about the background of it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's sponsored by the National MS Society. So they have them all throughout the nation. And um, each one is a little bit different. So usually it's at least 50 miles. Um, Most of the time it's two days and there are different routes that you can choose from, but it's not really a race. There's no clock. There's not, you know, there's no time to beat. It's really just the accomplishment of, of doing it, you know, the feel good of doing it and the fundraising aspect that's tied to it. It's a, it's a big fundraiser for the national MS society in each of their different markets. And um, so really it's just, again, just there's thousands, I think there's over a thousand people that do the citrus tour and ours isn't even the largest one. Um, I think the largest one is in New Jersey. My sister actually did that one. Um, and that one's almost like, I think it's 5,000 plus riders that do this every year and they just look forward to it. Most of them are avid cyclists. Um, but there's a bunch like us that really just train just to do this ride. And it's just a different way of adding in some exercise. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So when I went to support you a couple of times, I saw some very interesting bikes, mm-hmm. um, some adaptive bicycles, which was a really um, neat thing to see um, because you don't just have to ride on two wheels. These had three and sometimes four or five wheels um, uh-huh. for support. So um, it was really um definitely a community builder too. Um, I know you presented at one of those. Can you share um, your experience with that? Yeah, you know, so being an educator, we're used to putting on a show, you know, that's just what we do. And, and, but I also think that um, we're used to listening when people are talking. And so it would frustrate me each year when the presenters that they would choose were um, not super engaging or just not engaging enough to engage over the excitement of the day. And so I would joke with my friends on my team and say, I'm going to be the speaker one year, like, just watch out, I'm going to do it. And if I spoke, this is what I'm going to say. And um, so you know, I just one year, my friend said, well, now or never just do it. So I just emailed them and said, Hey, here's my story. I'd like to share it. And, um, so they let me be the speaker and I just took some of those, um, different techniques that we know being educators for engagement and 
you know, I don't really remember this part, but my my teammates have told me that um, no one was talking. Everyone was listening to me. So I, I worked on the engagement. I got it. And that at the end, I got a standing ovation. I think I might have blacked out a little bit for that one um, just because it is really exciting. And, um, you know, yes, I've talked in front of people before, but nothing like that. So I don't really remember that. But um you know, I just had a story to share and wanted to inspire people. And so as a result, they've kind of changed the format of what that looks like these past couple of years. And they they look to those of us like me, like you, who are living with um, MS instead of having, you know, maybe the top fundraiser or the research, because that's not what people want to hear at that type of event. They want to hear inspiring stories to know that their fundraising that they've done um, is important. and so. It was really cool. It was a great experience. And it's kind of like stemmed into some other speaking engagements that I've had the opportunity to um, to complete as a result. So That's wonderful. And I know that you've met so many people um, through the MS Society and so many other places. Um, and I'm sure because you have had such an impact on my life, um, I'm sure you have inspired them as well. And hopefully um, this podcast right here will um, lead to more of that. Um, So tell us a little bit. um, You said we a lot when you were talking about um, the cycling. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about um, your husband, Scott, and... um, what your journey has been with your medications and how your relationship has evolved as a result. Yeah, that's a big, uh, that's a big uh, tie in question there. Um, You know, I say we, because it's always been a team effort. Um, You know, this, my dad has ridden with me every single year. Um, my sister every year, but one. And then my boyfriend, who is now my husband, same thing. We had been dating for, I think it was like a year and a half before this diagnosis. And, um, you know, that's like a make or break in my mind. And there were some serious conversations that him and I had like, listen, this could be life-changing. But even when I first met his mom, um, she would say, when we get old, we're going to live with Scott because he's the kind of guy that's going to go out of his way and open the door and hold it and he'll help anyone in need. And so I guess I shouldn't have thought that he would treat it any differently, but you know, he just always has been by my side and he, um, he's like, so what, you know, who cares? We're going to, we're going to keep living, you know? And so, um, yeah, at the end of the second year, this is also why probably the biking is so important to us because at the end of the second year, um, he proposed at the end of the race. And so um, our whole family and friends were there, you know, so that awkward, who do I call first and tell didn't happen because they were all there and witnessed it firsthand. And and that was so special too, just because um, it had become a part of our life, you know, like it had become an integral part, even though it was our second year doing it, but it's like that tie together for us as to like, well, I have a mess, but I can still do anything that I want to and watch me. I'm going to ride a hundred miles. So, um, so it was definitely special. So yeah, when I say we, I kind of encompass like my whole family, my, my sister, my mom comes and like, is the team mom for us and, and my husband as well. Um, but you know, we've all, we have a team of minimum of six people every year. So there's always, um, a bunch of different people who join us. And there are some constants that have been with us since day one, but, um, each year someone else wants to try it. And so that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. The more the merrier, I would assume. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, where are you now? I know that you said you're in education. um, You've done high school, um, some Mm -hmm. other things. Tell us um, where you are um, in your life. Uh, regardless of the MS. Yeah. So that was one of the things I wasn't going to let it tell me no. So I was going to keep pushing forward. So as I mentioned, I was getting my second master's degree and that was for um, to become an administrator. And so that path has taken me to where I am right now, which is an elementary principal. So I just finished my first year as an elementary principal in Orange County and um an interesting first year it was, that's for sure. Yeah, because you're dealing with a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, a lot of um, stakeholders, as we call them in education, um, mm-hmm. people coming on your campus, students, um, parents, and you're interacting with them. Mm-hmm. How did you work to stay healthy during COVID? Yeah, you know, I think it's just, it's it's very interesting because I don't, I don't let things tell predict my life. I make my own predictions. So um, what I mean by that is I, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to get sick. I'm, I, I have to be careful. I'm going to say, all right, fine. You know, I'm going to take the precautions necessary, wash my hands and, and wear a mask. And, um, but I'm not going to let it rule my life. And um, I'm just going to do the best I can to stay healthy. And so that's really that positive outlook that I think that I have always had in my life that it's not going to, it's not going to rule my life. It's just going to be something I have to think about. And so that's even with my MS, it's not going to rule my life. It's just going to be something that I have to consider when I'm making decisions. So. So just that mental mindset really Mm -hmm. has pushed you forward and propelled you. Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty interesting um, because we know a lot of people um, that had opted out to work this year Mm -hmm. um, that didn't even have MS, but maybe Mm -hmm. had other autoimmune or um, different physical things going on with them that may have hindered um, them, their ability to work. So having that mindset is the first step for sure. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you were um, protected all the time with your mask and things and taking Mm -hmm. your supplements. Um, Also, so, um, you know, lots of contributing factors. Um, When now that you're in this role, this role as a principal can be very stressful. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of people depending on you. Mm -hmm. And you just talked about your mindset a little bit. How do you relieve stress in your daily life? You know, um, I think the different experiences I've had have um, given me the perspective that allows for me to say, yes, this feels stressful, but it could be this instead. And so, again, that optimism of, okay, well, yeah, you know, um, and this didn't happen, but yeah, you know, we, um, the, the school caught on fire, you know, but what I could say is, but everyone made it out safe. So it's always that positive spin on it that I seem to just innately just have. And I don't really know why. I don't know what, how that started. It's just, it's just how it is. And so I'm always able to say, yes, this might suck right now, but it's not as bad as this or, but it could have been this. And so that helps me with my stress. Um, I think being physically active, um, helps me too. you know, like when I've had a really hard day, like I need to be on the treadmill and I need to run because I need to just sweat it out, you know, so that, that helps me too. And, um, 
you know, having friends and family who, if I need to talk to them, they're there to talk to. And I feel bad, but like my mom's always the one who gets the, that gets the like call that ends in tears. And she's like, I don't know what to do to help you. I was like, there's nothing to help me. You just need to listen. And so I'm not a crier, but if you want to know who's heard me cry the most, it's definitely my mom. So, mm-hmm. well, crying to me is super therapeutic. After I finish, I'm like, I just yeah. feel so much better. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that in your relationship with your mom, she wants to do that for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, she wants to be engaged and involved. And so, you know, sometimes she takes the brunt of it, but you know, she knows that that's what I need. So she's there for me when I need her to be. Yeah. The relationships are super important. Um, I'm super glad I have you. Mm-hmm. Um, you've kind of been my rock over the past couple of years and mm-hmm. um, it's really nice to have people to lean on for sure. Mm-hmm. Now you've tried some um, disease modifying therapies or mm-hmm. DMTs as we call them in the, mm-hmm. in the biz. Um, t- can you talk to us about that journey? Yeah. So this is actually my third that I have just started and um you know, being a female, being young, um, some of the things that you have to consider when you choose what DMT you're going to, to select is like fertility health and um, finding one that if you wanted to have kids, like, would it be safe? And so the first one that I chose was um, Copaxin for that reason. And I was on it for about five years and it's not enjoyable to give yourself a shot every day, but, um, you know, you do what you need to. And, um, but it just wasn't working for me in terms of like, I continued to have new lesions. I didn't have really new symptoms, but every MRI they're like, Oh, you have some new lesions. And so it's like, clearly this isn't the one for me. So then I switched over to Tecfidera and, um, I was on that one for five, years as well. And that one was working well for me. I had minimal side effects and then, um, my, it was stable, but I I actually ended up having to change, um, for no other reason besides insurance and, um, they no longer covered it. And even the generic one, um, was like $300 a month with no financial assistance. And so it was like, no one, no one can, no one can afford that. Like there's just no way. And so I ended up having to switch and now I'm taking Symposia have been for a month um, after a fight with the insurance company and um, the drug company. And, you know, I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, I I was able to get on Symposia to get it to a more reasonable cost for, um, for us normal Americans. And so um, I've been taking that for a month and I, I, feel fine. Um, I didn't really have any side effects either. Um, I haven't had any MRI, so I don't really know what that looks like, but I feel fine. So that's why I'm now on my third one. So Copaxone is an injectable. Mm-hmm. Tasabri is a pill, an oral pill, right? Yeah. So it's um, Tecfidera, but yes, it's... Oh, sorry. Very, yeah. Also an oral pill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tecfidera. I'm on it now. Yeah. And then suppose, say it again. Zaposia. Zaposia. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also an oral medication. Mm-hmm. Okay. And are there, are there side effects for that? Have you felt any? Is Are you getting away side effect free? Yeah. You know, um, yep. Yeah, I mean, there are, all of them have like listed possible side effects, but yes, I, um, I'm not really experiencing any, so. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Um, especially mm-hmm. when having to switch. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you had talked about with the Copaxone, you you decided on that one because, you know, you, you possibly wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, so we were going to start this podcast together, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but um, as a result, probably of us trying to do that, mm-hmm. you've had a great experience happen to you. Um, let's yeah. share about that. Yeah. So, you know, having our own kids didn't really work out the way that we wanted it to. Um, I wasn't interested in all of that um, IVF and things like that. Like who wants to be poked and prodded when that's what you do for having MS all the time. So I really wasn't into that. And so my husband and I started on a journey of fostering. And so we actually um, just recently have welcomed two boys, three and four into our house. And so they are living with us currently. So, yep, exactly. You know, the whole, the whole podcast thing kind of took a back burner because now I have some littles that I need to to care for. So (laughs) it's so cute. Um, and I know that you guys are enjoying them so much. Mm -hmm. Um, so we talked about the stress with the job. Mm -hmm. I know parenting is a completely different piece and it's not like Mm -hmm. they were babies and you're growing with them. They're Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there. So how has your life changed since this wonderful experience? So, um, yes, you know, I, (laughs) Uh, the first week was interesting. You know, you have to think about, um, what it was like for them. Um, but it was interesting, you know, bedtime didn't exist. And so, um, we were tired, you know, my husband and I were tired and again, thankfully we had each other. So we could like, at least give each other like, um, you know, a 30 minute break, you know, to go and handle this, do that. And, and, um, you know, just providing them with structure and routines, it's gotten better. Um, but it's, it's definitely different, you know, in terms of, you know, we used to just make plans at the drop of a hat and now we need to plan things out. And, um, we, you know, we have a schedule, so they have a nap time. So we work around the nap time, but that's also nice because sometimes I need a nap too. So we, we can take it together at the same time. So, um, that's, that's an, that's a nice thing. And it, but it's also just like the amount of love that the that they have, that they want to give, that they want to share. It's just welcoming because we have a house that we wanted to welcome people into. And now we have, and we're providing them that safe environment. And um, yes, sometimes I just need to take a deep breath. And then there's other times where they just are showering you with kisses and my heart's so full and I don't know what to do. So, um, you know, it kind of evens it all out a little bit. So um, I've also been mom shamed already, you know, cool. Great. Tell so me I, more. What oh is mom gosh. shaming? I don't oh, even know. know this deal. I didn't even know if it existed. And I mean, I heard of it and then, you know, I'm dropping the kids off at daycare and one decides to run in the parking lot, you know? So what? I've had them for three days, you know? So, but all the moms are evil glaring at me. And then, you know, the next day they're eating the Cheerios off the floor of the car because they spilled them the day before and don't want to get out, but Hey, at least they didn't run through the parking lot today. So, and all the moms are, are staring at me, you know, that mom shame that you feel, um, that's what mom shame is. So I've experienced it, but you know, I just, I just keep it in, inside and say, you know, well, you don't know what they've been through. And, um, so we'll just leave it at that. So, mm-hmm. You have the most positive outlook of anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I swear. Um, I, I don't know how I would handle that, Melissa, and you seem to be taking it in stride, but Mm -hmm. it sounds like the love is so overpowering Mm -hmm. um, that 
it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And, you know, building the community with our, um, with our fellow MSers, that's what I've felt too. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, it's such a mutually beneficial relationship, um, Mm -hmm. between all of us because we share things in common that others just don't see. Mm -hmm. And, going through what you've gone through probably prepared you for this motherhood yeah. life that you have now, this yep. wonderful new life. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. So I have some quick fire questions okay. for you, Melissa. Are you ready for the I'm challenge? Ready. Okay. Because um, as you know, and we've discussed so many times, um, my um, core values are growth and humor. And so let's mm-hmm. try to laugh it up a little bit and make okay. this light. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what makes you laugh? Um, you know, oof. um, well, I think when the kids do something silly, that's fun to laugh at. Um, and you know, my dad likes to tell terrible jokes and so we laugh at those too. So, mm-hmm. Dad jokes are always coming in handy yeah. for sure. My father uh-huh. has a couple zingers that um, I don't know if I can repeat on the show, but um, <laughs> they definitely make me laugh too. Um, okay. What's the fi- your favorite way to spend the day? Um, well, so two weeks ago, my answer would have been catching up on my trash TV, Married at First Sight. I'm going to plug that one. That one's one of my favorites. Um, love binging. Um, now it's just, I love actually the pool is the best because, it, you know, we can be outside and not be hot. Like I've seen that you've mentioned several times too, but it keeps the boys entertained for hours. So it's the pool. Definitely. Hands down. Are they swimmers, those kids? Uh, they're learning, um, but they have swimmies. So that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Don't they save your life? Those they swimmies? Really oh, oh really I love do. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was young, I had a full body suit, you know, like this mm-hmm. is, we're talking the early eighties, right? Mm-hmm. Late seventies. So I had a full body suit and it used to have these huge, um, styrofoam pieces and they'd slide Mm -hmm. up into them and they've Mm -hmm. come such a long way since then but my bathing suit was bright yellow and I had a green cap on oh I was charming let me tell you pineapple (laughs) I gotta try and find one of those photos yeah pineapple head oh Mm -hmm. my god I never thought about that yeah um so I know the answer to this but I'm gonna ask you anyway okay dogs or cats dogs yep Mm -hmm. yeah you have the most interesting dogs. Mm-hmm. That's one way to describe them. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Are the yeah. kids adapting to Stewie and Lily? Yes. Yeah. Um, they want them to sleep in their bed every night. And I said, you can try, but I guarantee when I walk out the room, they're coming with me and I'm hundred percent right every day. So um, they're just attached to me, but yeah, they're the, the boys love them. So. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. It's always um, nice to have um, something that you love in common that you can all take care of and mm-hmm. things. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do one more. Okay. This is my big ultimate question. Let's see how you okay. do. Tom Hanks, Tom Brady, or Tom Segura? Yeah. Um, hmm. I guess I would say Tom Hanks. Um Cause I'm more of a movie person. So that, that's I gotcha. why I take him. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All good choices, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So Melissa, we want to know, because I know you're such a community builder and you've been mm-hmm. striving to really grow with the MS community and mm-hmm. get to know people um, 
for a while now, Mm -hmm. um, starting with the bike, but, um, we also do the walk together. Um, and you have some outreach, um, in your life. Can you talk to us about that and where people can find you if they want to know more? Um, so yes, uh, we have our, well, the, probably the easiest way would be through my Facebook. So it's, um, Melissa K. Um, I think that's how you'd find me. I, I think, um, I'm social media hip and not hip all in one. So, and then my Instagram account as well, um, which is Melissa underscore Gordon nine five. And that's where we will promote and fundraise for our bike team, which is called Melissa Stampede Always Half Full, which is a group that I control on Facebook as well. Um, And then as far as other outreach that I'm involved in, I'm part of the founding committee of the Emerging Leaders Board in Florida. So that has an Instagram, which is F-L-E-L-B, so Florida Emerging Leaders Board. Um, And so you can find that on Instagram as well. And we post content there about that. So I think that's probably the easiest way to connect with me. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, Melissa is also an administrator on the Thriving Over Surviving yes. Yes. Um, page on our Facebook too. So yep. you can find her there oftentimes as well, mm-hmm. which is so, it's growing and growing, Melissa. And we've seen this morning, we had over 220 um, people on that. I know, I love it. And I also love that people are starting to feel comfortable with posting themselves, which is, you know, it doesn't just have to be generated by you and me. So that's cool. It's really wonderful how it's taking root. And hopefully um, from this, more people will join. We would love to have you all um, be a part of our um, little community, growing community, Mm -hmm. I should say. Yeah. With the multiple platforms, you know, you can connect with anyone at that point. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Melissa, I, I thank you so much for taking your time out to be with us today. I know, um, you know, with all of these new added things in your life, you're super busy, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like you're handling things mm-hmm. very well and taking it all in stride. Yes. So thanks for being with us today. Yes. And while I'm sad that I can't be a part of the podcast, I am excited for you. And I loved being part of the initial planning phase with you. And I know that you're about to do great things. So people need to start listening and watching because you you got a lot to tell them. So mm-hmm. thanks so much, Melissa. You're I welcome. appreciate you. Yep. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Find us on Instagram at Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Our Facebook group has the same name. Although I am a doctor, my expertise is in educational leadership and not in medicine. The information provided on this show is for community building purposes and not meant to provide medical advice. Should you have medical questions that you need answered, please consult your medical professional. We'll see you next time as we chat it up on another episode of Thriving Over Surviving Podcast.